is the main satellite. The main satellite. You motherfuckers hear that? The main satellite. Welcome to the main satellite. The main satellite, I am Tamarcus. And we have another great show for y'all. And y'all know who I got in here with me. Who is it? His name is Brody. <laughs> Brody. You know, he used to call me. My brothers came up with names for me. My brothers are my sister and my mama. The great Brodini. Broadmeister. Uh, 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 my mama calls me Bro B. Uh, Bro B. I got all kinds of fucking names, man. Freak. I got all JBJB. I ain't gonna say what JBJB stands for, but JBJB. Um, just all kinds of names. But you can call me Brody. That 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 way you can call me, dear listener. <laughs> and where we from, guy? We from Goldsboro, North Carolina. Proud to be from there. Proud to be a couple of uh, long-term goals, brilliant nights now, brother. We're in our forties. Yeah, yeah. It's fucking weird, man. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so what we what we what we thinking about discussing? Or what we gonna do today on the show today, man? Is this is gonna be a free form balls to the wall situation? What are we doing today? It's, it's gonna be a free form. We gotta get trying to get our legs back underneath us because it's been a while since we um recorded regularly mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. be patient with us then till we, till we hit our stride again uh-huh <laughs> you remember that song man <laughs> you remember that song? please be patient with me uh god is not through with me yet look please uh, be patient you remember that i remember nah. that man. Uh, yeah i Those wasn't in the gospel music that's when we were kids when i was with my brothers and sister and i were kids and we would go to uh they would sing that at church we went to Goldsboro Chapel, Goldsboro, North Carolina, and that was one of the one of the staples. Please be patient with me. I mean, hey, 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 you know, so be patient with us. <laughs> when you said be patient with us, man, just think about that, you know. You used to sing along. Yeah, hell yeah, I used to sing along. <laughs> Look, I was in the choir. Not the choir, I was in the choir, man. They had two, they had three choirs in my church, Goldsboro Chapel. Mm-hmm. They had the Tiny Talk Choir, which is the choir that I was a part of, that was the kid. That, the Tiny Talk Choir consisted of kids who were kids who couldn't sing, and so they were uh, anywhere from uh, twelve on down. The Tiny Talk Choir to give us the simpler songs, and then from twelve on up, it was the Young Adult Choir, and they would give them more complicated uh, 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 songs, melodies. And then it was the the adult choir when it had all your it had your grandma in it, your mama, your daddy, your granddaddy, your great aunt. You had your fucking aunts and uncles in there. So, yes, I used to sing along, man. And I was I used to be able to sing more. I, I really was. Once I got a little bit older, I really was able to carry a tune. I didn't blow, as some people say. He can blow, and she can blow, which I get it, right? I mm-hmm. could never do that, but I, I could carry a tune. Can't yeah. do it now, man. Too many beers and too many cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I think I can do it when I'm in the shower by myself. I'm, my dog Nova is looking at me. Okay, all right. That's my audience, captive audience. <laughs> you never sing when you went to church. You never sang alone. Nah, I didn't know the words. I didn't know that. Nah, 
nah, I, I didn't know the words and I didn't want to know the words because I didn't like most of the songs. Some of the songs give you a, a, gave me a, um, <clears throat> a good feeling inside, but most of them I was like, uh, I'm ready for this shit to be over with. <laughs> so what you was what you saying is you were bound for hell starting off. That's what you saying to me, man. You say you were bound pretty for much. Hell. <laughs> <laughs> you're not gonna visit anybody's version of hell, man. You you coming to heaven with me? You coming to heaven, man? Wherever that is, if there's a what? heaven, that can maybe be a topic one day. What made you um join the choir? Choir. Well, the choir. Uh. <laughs> My uh, grandma at the Washington, we all, my brother's sister and I called her Gramsci. So Gramsci was my mama's mom. So Gramsci was um, a longstanding member uh, of Goldsboro Chapel, Free Will Baptist Church. That's what they called it, you know, off uh, over there off uh, off Elm Street. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> Elm Street, Ash Street, whichever one it was, you know what I'm talking about over there at Goldsboro. But anyway, uh, Gramsci was a longstanding uh, member of the, of the church. She, I don't believe she was ever in the choir. I don't recall that. I was six, seven when she, maybe six years old, seven years old, maybe when she died. I think I was six. So I don't really remember her singing in the choir, but she had a lot of friends who were in the choir, right? Um, and uh, she, my ma mama, neither mama nor Gramsci, neither <clears> one <throat> of those, uh, my mama, my grandma didn't recommend that we do it, but it just seemed fun. You get up in front mm -hmm. of a crowd, you know, and, and, and you four or five years old and you see the applause that people are getting, man, and yep, they're swaying and having a good time. And so I just wanted to join, man. I just a, wanted to join. It was your decision. Like you, you're like, I want to join the choir. But that was, yes, it was my decision. <laughs> <laughs> And it was my decision. And let me tell you, man, those are memories that stay with me even uh, until today. I, I, I still think about it and I get a good feeling that I was able to do that, enjoy myself and enjoy it with my uh, family and my, my uh, the, I guess you could say my church family. I was going to mm -hmm. say the, the fellow congregants, but, you know, the congregation, the church family is what it was. Everybody mm -hmm. knew everybody. Everybody ate at everybody's house. Everybody's kids were punished by everybody else's parents, grandparents, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. um but yeah it was my decision to join man and it made me feel good and it's a it's a, i think back on it sometimes that was a really good time in my life mm -hmm. it was fantastic i can't remember and i also had uh neighbors who, mm -hmm. who were in the choir as well you know who kids who sang mm -hmm. and one of them i can think of off the top who was really it was really good um at that time his name was jimmy yarborough he mm -hmm. was just always, and you you know who Jimmy is, you know Jimmy. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was that man. Just if there's a spirit of of what people like to think of as God, that man had it. He <laughs> had it as a boy. He really did, mm -hmm. and he used to really do it. He still sings now. So Jimmy, brother, if you're hearing this, you were good then. You're great now, and keep doing it. Whatever it is that brings you and other people happiness and grace, and it makes them feel makes these people feel blessed and seen and heard. But um, yeah, I, I think I think. I was in the choir. Uh, George, my brother George, younger brother George, mm -hmm. uh, Bag George A. He was um, in the choir. In the choir too, I believe my brother Jamie was in the choir. And I don't know if anybody else is in it. I don't think. I think Barry was too cool. Mm -hmm. My brother Barry was too, just a little bit too cool even then <laughs> to be caught dead on the stage singing in the church. But I think it was just the three of us. But it was it was fun, man. It was awesome. Mm -hmm. It was it was so fun. So it never ever 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 not once crossed your mind to think. That would be fun to be up there on that stage. 
singing and clapping and swaying back and forth, having a good time. Nah, nah, um, nah. <laughs> you thinking hard about that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it used to scare me sometimes. Well, when I was really young, it used to scare me to see people get the spirit, as they say, shouting and the all. Holy, the, yeah, the Holy, the Holy Ghost, Ghost, whatever. Mm. Yeah, they, they, that was um, that was kind of um, frightening to me to see people convulse and run up and down the aisles or, or shout, do whatever. You know, even if it was a even if it was a mild um, shouting and whatever. It used to it used to frighten me a little bit, but as I got older, I, I realized <clears throat> I, it was nothing to be afraid of. You know, people just feeling good. You know, um, yeah. So uh, I, I hate to keep asking you questions about this. I'm, I just find it fascinating. Um, did you did the kids choir wear robes, or they were they were their regular clothes, their regular church they, clothes? They- we had to wear we we the tiny talk choir had to wear regular uh whatever outfits they would be in once they entered the church, whatever the parents, grandparents, mm-hmm. aunts, uncles, et cetera, et cetera, wanted them in, we would wear that. But I remember, in fact, I think I did transition into the young adult choir. I think I might I might have done. I think I might have done. Certainly they had to have robes mm-hmm. in, in the so from the young adult choir on up people had robes and I remember they were uh they were uh, like a like a sky blue I remember that and um and and, and I enjoyed wearing them and swam back and forth in them and singing singing in them because even then I was into science fiction and fantasy and I just imagined myself to be a wizard man or uh, uh you know something like that or whatever that was fun to me but um yeah we, so in the tiny talk quiet no you weren't required to wear robes you might be now though who knows uh if you're a kid in, in a in a kids choir but when it transitioned when you transitioned uh you were required to wear robes and then of course the greatest robes are the ones that the adult choir had where they had all these <laughs> great flowing uh uh, uh just magic they look they look magical man and they singing and they're gesticulating and they're screaming and they're they got the melody going through and some of them sound really really good um those are the ones you wanted you wanted those if you were a kid you know uh so we weren't required to wear them as in the tiny top but in the uh, young adult, yeah, we wore them. We did. We we didn't have to pay for them. I remember mm-hmm. that the they they had a, they had a stock of them. <laughs> <laughs> they smell like the mothballs. They did smell like mothballs, but it never they were never stinking though. That's just for show. <laughs> I know. I remember um them sending them out to uh the dry cleaners to have them mm-hmm. dry clean, and mm-hmm. then they would uh, fold them up, pack them up, and they would put mothballs in a box with them. So they did. They actually did smell like mothballs, mm-hmm. but they never smelled bad. You never got the a B.O. odor from anything like that. Mm-hmm. I want to comment. I, if you have more questions, that's excellent, man. Uh, but I, I, I want to comment on this. What you said a moment ago about shouting. Um, it used to, it, you know, it happens so regularly, so regularly, so 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 often at Goldsboro Chapel, Mark, mm-hmm. that it was never something that I can recall being freaked out about to see people shouting and feel what they refer to as the Holy Ghost and the Spirit and all those things, because it was something that was always a part of my life. It just it just was always there. As far back as I can remember, it mm-hmm. did used to make me laugh. And I remember I used to get in trouble for that. Mm-hmm. My gramps, gramps, your mama would look at me and or or George would stomp on my foot or Jamie would stomp on my <laughs> foot. 
and they would say, stop laughing. You're going to get in trouble. You know, mm-hmm. it used to make me laugh. But I, I got to tell you, thinking about it now from the perspective of, of uh, a 41-year-old perspective, um, I know that I laughed at it then because I found it ridiculous. I, I didn't know what they were feeling. I, I knew that they were, there was something going on, but I couldn't decipher in my tiny brain, you know, in my small, from that small perspective and level of experience, limited level of experience. But thinking about it now, and how I have always thought, I probably thought, I'm pretty confident I thought that it was ridiculous. But what I was going to say is, going back to what you said a moment ago, a few minutes ago, um, you understand now, people just feeling good. Now, some of them were doing it, of course, mm-hmm. as a matter of theater. They mm-hmm. were doing it for attention. You and I both know that. And I think most people know that, I believe, if they're really honest with themselves, right? But some of them were doing it because they felt good. And looking at it in hindsight i have never done that before but as an adult several times a few times in my life i've experienced that sort of good feeling it might be normally it's uh if i've gone a long time without seeing my family my family or um and of course you and i spoke about it before i really don't have friends we don't have friends we just got family we got family then we got associates right mm-hmm. so um I would uh, send my family if I went along, if I'd gone a long time without seeing my family or if I'd been ill and I didn't know how bad I felt until I felt better. Um, if I'd come across a uh, an unexpected chunk of motherfucking money, I felt good in that way, especially when things were sort of dour and there was sort of, uh, there was a crisis situation going on in terms of bills, money, hell, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I have felt that good. But normally, man, I feel that good when I'm around my people, those people who are mine and I am theirs. And it doesn't come out in that way. But I, the older I get, I tend to express it more. Like I, I'll hug the people that I love who love me or I'll kiss them or shake their hand or walk them around or whatever. So I feel that on a regular basis now. So it's interesting from the perspective that I occupy now and knowing what I was thinking then versus what I myself have experienced. But I've never, I've never shouted or anything like that or spoken in what they call tongues, language of God, any of that mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm things um i i asked about the robes because i imagined <laughs> you being in the in the tiny tots choir mm-hmm. y'all not having robes and then you thinking like damn one day i'm gonna I'm gonna I'm be up there in a robe i can't wait to get my robe <laughs> your ass are probably thinking like that <laughs> so that's why i asked i thought i, I thought that was funny i was and I, you better believe I was. And the more I think about it, the more I believe I did transition. In fact, it might not have been from 12 on up. It, I think it might have been from 11 on up. And mm-hmm. we, we, I, sure enough, we got them then. And I damn sure was thinking, I want one of those cool things that look like a, a wizard up there, that look ethereal and magical and to feel it flowing around you and nobody knows what's <laughs> going on up under it. You can have a, a, a Bible or a wand or, you know, I was, you know, I, I was, I love stuff like that, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so, let me ask you a question or two. So uh, when it came to uh, church, can you ever recall a time, even now, so from the time you began going to church when you were a kid to now, can you recall a time that you've had a genuinely powerful experience while within the confines or maybe not the confines? Uh, to kids, to me, it was a confine. It, was, it felt confined but within the uh, sanctuary of the church. Can you recall ever having a, a, a really positive 
uh, moment or experience in church that you just welled up, the good feeling just welled up and you just felt at peace or overjoyed any of those things. Yeah. Um, um, <clears throat> if there's a good sermon uh, and the pastor is getting into it, it depends on who the pastor is. I, you know, the dude from Goldsboro Chapel, he was really good. And that was Reverend Moultrie. Yeah, Reverend yeah. Motherfucking Moultrie, boy. He was something else, boy. Hell yeah. Them long and ass then, sleeves he was wearing <laughs> his robes. They were always over long. I'm sorry. Go ahead, man. He did it. Reverend Moultrie. <laughs> and there were a couple other pastors that I don't, you know, I don't recall anybody's name. Um, <clears throat> that made me feel, feel good. Um, and like I said, like a, a handful of songs that I, you know, you would get a uh, tingly feeling inside listening to. But most of the songs I, I, I didn't like. But, yeah, I've had positive feelings in church before. Um, but speaking on the, the shouting and catching the spirit again, um, I, I was frightened also of it because... Um, I didn't, I didn't know what, I didn't want it to jump inside of me. You know, I didn't know like, like what, what what's going on with, with, with this person or those people like to, to make them act like that. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't want something jumping inside of me, making me um, <clears throat> lose control like that. That's what I was um, frightened about. I was like, I don't I'm, I don't know, but then, like as a, as I as a, as I grew older, I, I understood um, that you know people just feeling good. I don't think it would ever happen to me. You know, I I still wouldn't really want it to happen to me like that. But um, yeah, that's it. Um, thinking about it again, from the current perspective and level of experience, uh, my level of experience and perspective, um, those who weren't pretending, even with me as a kid, finding it at the very least somewhat ridiculous, I think about the community I, the community I grew up in. Mm -hmm. So there weren't any millionaires in our community. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. there weren't any uh, media moguls in our community. People were work a day, lower middle class, most of us are lower middle class or lower class, you know, in terms of uh, income. And uh, people had children they needed to take care of, they had bills they needed to pay, they had marriages or relationships they were involved in, they had illnesses they had to cope with. And, uh, you know, not to mention things that might have been psychological, or what some people might call spiritual going on. And so looking at it from the perspective I have now, that might have I'm thinking that was the one place one of the few places that people could go to just unleash and to say I'm hearing great music I'm with my neighborhood I'm with my church family my family whatever you want to call it people are revealing how they feel about life the negative the good the music is great the food is great because at any church that's worth a damn in the south if it's black you can go down to the basement at the sunday service and they got those great big fucking terrines and they got those <laughs> pots and it's smelling good with the pan fried corn i'm talking about real cornbread <laughs> real cornbread real cheese real fucking cornbread right i'm talking about everything you want was down there real soul food real home-cooked meals you, you had all of that to look forward to right when you got home that might have been very little of that you had to look forward 
comfort too. So when people had the chance once a week to go into to, 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 to release and to just feel good about all the good things in their life, their lives, and to leave the horse shit behind for a little while, which is just say it should that should just say regular life behind. It makes sense thinking about that. It, it mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense thinking about that, man. I can't see myself turning cartwheels up the aisle or speaking in tongues or you know, whatever you might want to call it. I can't see myself screaming or anything like that. But even I think now I have a I know I have a greater understanding of it, you know, why mm-hmm. people do that. The problem is being able to decipher those who are actually feeling that way. To separate them from those who are performing, which is, I believe, has always been an issue. You know, there have been mm-hmm. times that I've gone to church that I have I have cried as an adult. I don't go to church often at all, as you know, brother. But when there have been times when I've gone and I've and it's been a regular service and something just maybe it was a word or a phrase that was expressed in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about my life, thinking about my family, thinking about my, you know, the people that I love, I love and the people who love me. And it just kind of hit me. Or maybe it's like a, a negative situation I'm experiencing and I cry. You know what I'm saying? But I don't go to I can count on one hand a number of times I've done that outside of like funerals and wakes and things of that nature. So I get it now. I get it now. I don't, as I say, I can't see myself, you know, flipping and hopping and all that stuff, you know, no disrespect to anybody who does that, who does it. And they, they actually feel that way. Right. But I know that it's a result of people feeling like they were, they are uh, bottled up, just bottled up. Mm-hmm. And then they have a, a one time a week to express themselves and just let it loose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was a lot, but I have another question for you, man, about that. And then I guess we can move on to whatever. Unless you have other questions to ask or statements <laughs> to make, um, if you had children, mm-hmm. knowing the good that can come from going to church, and let's say being aware of the bad but knowing the good, right? Mm-hmm. If you had kids and your partner, your wife, uh, or girlfriend, or or whoever, they said to you. Uh, I think we should get the kids in church at a very young age. And they had grown up in that sort of environment. How would you feel about that? Being aware of the good that it can, the marks that it can make that are positive. And of course, being aware of the negative as well. How would you feel about that, man? I don't think I would like it. Um, uh, Like that uh, feeling that you... um, That phrase you used earlier, um, confinement. Um, I felt confined the times I went to church as a as a child. Um, so I, I I wouldn't like it. I wouldn't I wouldn't want to get them involved in church because I'm not involved in the church. You know, um, I can't see me agreeing to something like that. I don't know. Nah. I don't think I would like it. So what if, what if, let's say the kids, uh, let's say they reach six or seven and they were like, dad or daddy or pop or papa. Uh, <laughs> I want to, I want to, I want to join a quiet church, the choir, or I want to just start going to church. And they expressed it of their own. They want to go of their own. They, they expressed that in a way that lets you know that they're doing it of their own accord and mm-hmm. they want to do it. How would you feel about that? And you, let's just say, for the sake of the discussion we're having right now or the question that you knew that it hadn't been coerced by anyone or influenced by anyone in any outward, outwardly uh, obvious way. 
how would you feel if your kid came to you and, and was like, daddy, I want to join the church or I want to join the choir or any of those things? Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. It, it would be surprising. Um, but I would, I would let, um, them attend church with, uh, someone, with, uh, nephew, not, an, I ain't got no fucking nephews, a uh, cousin or shit, my cousin, my damn niece ain't even into the church like that with somebody that I trusted. I'll let them, you know, go to church. How about you? Yeah. I'll let them go. Um, as long as I knew, because again, that's the way I grew up. Like my, that's my brothers and my sister and I, we grew up like that. And mama grew up like that. And Gramps grew up like that. And a lot of our family that we know grew up like that. So I wouldn't have a problem with it. I think what I would do is be aware of, I would have to go, like, let's say I wasn't going on a regular basis, but I hadn't been going on a regular basis. So I would have to go into the church and experience a, um, a session, whether that be Sunday school, uh, vacation bible school situation or church because we had sunday school for kids it goes for chapel we had church for adults unless of course you were forced to stay usually we were forced to stay or we would sunday school would happen and then we would have like maybe 30 or 40 minutes away we would maybe like come home because we could walk to goldsboro chapel where we lived on Denver street in goldsboro and then at whatever time church would start and you go to church or whatever we really didn't have a choice for a while for a little while but to answer the question I would have to go in and, and experience uh, a session, be it Sunday school church or a vacation Bible school sort of class. Because the, and the reason why I would need to do that is because Goldsboro Chapel was great. I have very fond memories of it. But I remember being in Sunday school and having the Sunday school teacher talk endlessly about hell. And I remember being terrified of that. Like I, I was terrified. So by the time I turned nine years old, man, I had read the revelation of St. John of Patmos all the way through. I had read Revelation, Book of Revelation, all the way through back, back and backwards and forwards. I'd read it several times because I was trying to find a way, since everything was a sin and everybody virtually was going to end up in hell, I needed to find, this is the way that my brain thought of it when I was a child, right? Six, seven years old. I was trying to find loopholes, loopholes for my family and the people that I loved. So and what inspired or what what caused that fear that I was some years I was terrified, you know, for for more for my mama, my brothers, my sister, my grandma, my uncle, my aunts, my friends. I was terrified for them, all, everybody, all of y'all, because I kind of knew I was going to for some reason. I just knew I already had it figured out. Right. As a as an arrogant little toe rag, I thought I maybe had it figured out, but um, I was terrified for everyone. And so I read the Revelation of St. John of Patmos, uh, of Patmos uh, through back and forth. It must be 20, 30 times. And that is no exaggeration. That's the truth. Uh, but the reason I felt that way is because what we were being taught in Sunday school. Okay. Uh, so I would have to make sure that I attended a few times to know what, what, was, what was being taught and what sermons were being, you know, what sermons were happening or what lessons were being taught or whatever, man, because I wouldn't want any kid of mine to walk around and be paranoid that he and his were all going to go to hell or that all of his were going to go to hell. And somehow he being a smart ass somehow figured it out that he had it all lined the fuck up. Uh, but yeah, I would let my kids do it. They, they could do it. I would also have to go and see what the congregation looks like and what the clergy is like, what the pastors and the sisters and brothers and mothers and fathers and whatever i would need to know like what they're like may i change my mind 
<laughs> listening to all, to all of that, like you made you made mm-hmm. an excellent point. Um, I too was uh, uh, frightened when they talked about hell. Shit, I was frightened when they talked about heaven also um, mm-hmm. because it just seemed to be. It seemed it seemed like a it seemed like a, a, a alternate hell to me mm-hmm. because you in heaven you can't really do anything you know you just it's, I, I would think it would be like church twenty four seven that's what and my kids bring you know what I'm saying I would think like damn I don't want to be in church forever mm-hmm. this the streets might be paved in gold but I don't want to be in church for eternity mm-hmm. um, I don't want to walk around in a in a white robe either. For eternity so that that's what that's what i envisioned as a child um so yeah <clears throat> you made a good point and that made me change makes me change my mind i don't think i would let my kid go unless i you know unless we were like uh invited by a family member or a friend and we just were a guest for the day or something like that you know as um a family or something but nah no, not, not, no, 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 nah. no. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you one bit, and that, that makes sense to me. I'm a, I'm gonna, okay, so in terms of uh, heaven, that was also a, I wouldn't call it a fear, I would call it a frustration. It was extremely frustrating to me that according to the Bible, and or at least what the interpretations that were being, that were, that were being made. Right, and then related to uh, relate to us as kids, uh, heaven seemed uh, unattractive for the reasons that you mentioned, and also you're serving God twenty four seven. So nothing you do is for you and yours. It is, uh, and it's explicitly stated. At least it was by way of, by the teachers and the you know the text in terms of even in the text, man is is. Uh, expressed in this way which is you're going to be serving god 24 7 and nothing you do will be for you and yours in fact it won't be really any you or yours at all there'll just be god and the eternal praise being heaped and lavished upon god which made me feel before i even knew the words for it when i was a kid it made me feel like god is it's not any kind of god i want to serve according to what it is that i was being taught this boundless infinite being in all of its glory that can't get enough praise from human beings and that's what it almost as if it was some some black maw man that was bottomless that couldn't get enough and that sounded that was that was frustrating to me i'm like that that can't be i'm thinking about my, my, my brain as a child that's not any god i want to serve that needs endless attention and endless praise and endless love and all of that, you know, I, and that's all you're going to do. That's your purpose in heaven. This is what I was taught or what I heard and read to a degree when I was a child, your purpose is to boost God's ego for eternity. So that's the ultimate narcissist. I have the words for it now. (laughs) And if you are determined to not do that, then you are, are not welcome in heaven. This is the way I thought when I was a kid. So that was always less frightening, but more frustrating to me. In other words, it felt like, well, damn, if I die and go to hell or my family and people, friends die and go to hell, then that's awful. But it's damn near just as awful to be in heaven. You know, Um, but 
another thing I was going to say a moment ago was I would let my kids go, but I would have to go to check out uh, who who these people are, these church officials are, because abuse and molestation are real things. And these are things that don't just they don't just occur in the Catholic Church. They occur, they occur anywhere with their kids and adults who know better, but who are going to do what they want to do. Um, so I would have to go a few times to see what it's like. And certainly they wouldn't go by themselves. Like you said, they would go with um, the, the grandma or they would go with uh, their aunts and uncles. Uh, you know, people who knew to look for warning signs that there were some things that weren't that weren't good that were going on, you know. Uh, but I would let them go. I would. And, and if I did, by the way, it probably would be a it would have to be a place that I had more than a passing understanding of or a passing familiarity with. It would have to be a place that um, I would have to know somebody really well who went to that place, who attended that church. It couldn't just be some random place because who the fuck knows what's going on up in there. So, yeah. So if 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 you do, if if this hypo, hypothetical situation did happen, um you know, they're going to try to recruit your kid to become a member of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, so what if you're, what if they are successful in, in uh, presenting um, the church in a way that, that your kid like wants to go back every Sunday and become a member of the church? Um, how would you feel about it? I wouldn't have a problem with it. I feel that um, if, if, if okay, okay, so the kid, is of an age. Let's say they are, the kid happens to be 10, maybe 11 years old or something like that. Okay. Or maybe 12, maybe on the younger side, let's say nine to 10, nine to 11, maybe nine to 11. I would assume, I would think now, even though it's a hypothetical situation, any kid that I raised would know how to spot horseshit. Or at least is in so much as uh, a kid can have that sort of awareness. Okay. A kid of that age so if they will be if they were recruited or if they were asked to join the church i would assume that if they really want to join it based upon what i and my partner or wife or girlfriend or whatever whatever the mother if we would teach our kids how to spot horseshit and guess their kids the kids are highly intelligent and highly intuitive and so if a kid of mine wanted to join a church, I would assume that they had already sort of looked for some things that might not be good for them and they might be turned off by those things. In other words, I would hope that the teachings of this kid's parents, uh, my kids, me and my, my the mother, would prevent, prevent them from joining something that wasn't good for them. Or they would, or... Uh, the teachings and our relationships will let them know that if there's something that's confusing about it, things they're being asked to do or things they're being asked to listen to or participate in spiritually or otherwise, I would hope that the bond will be strong enough that the kid could feel compelled and comfortable to come to uh, the mother and myself. Mm-hmm. So I would never have a problem with it. But again, that's me having real more than a passing familiarity with this institution. If it's mm-hmm. just a random church, I don't think I could do that. In fact, I know I couldn't. Um, unless the only way I would let think about even letting the kid attend is if, like you said, if they went with a family member, somebody I trusted. And I would have the family member sort of sort of uh take a look at that 
and hopefully the kid will be keeping his or her eyes open for shit too so yeah i would have a problem with that like i i, I would have to be i would be when it when it when it came to that i would be what you might call a helicopter type parent like to know what my kid is being exposed to i wouldn't want my kid to uh to be uh some sort of a little zealot to be that's, molded into mm-hmm. that's what i'm that's what i'm um uh getting around to that's what i'm getting at. I'm i'm talking about like you know no funny business going on no uh uh nothing uh physically harmful or or physically harmful to the kid um mm. you know good things happening in the church and and the kid is impressed by it and uh they recruit them and they become and they want to you know get baptized and all that stuff and then and, and go to church i don't know how many days a week people can go to church but they want to go to church multiple times a week. Mm-hmm. Um, they become a, a religious zealot, as you just um, described. Like, how how would you feel about that? The possibility of that happening? Uh, it would always be unsettling. Mm-hmm. That 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 because it's no matter how great of a parent you are, or how wise your kid is, no matter what what the lessons were kids are still kids as intelligent as they can be and as intuitive as they can be. So mistakes can be made and they can listen. They're charming enough adults mm-hmm. who they know how to get around the teachings that you have gifted your kids um, and how to draw them and lure them by way of promises and, um, you know, these visions of greatness and things of that nature. So it would always be a concern. Um, I, I believe, I think that if I began to see signs of that, <clears throat> then I will pull my kid to the side, sit him or her down and ask them some questions about why they feel the way they feel. In other words, really, I would inspire them to be the kind of kid I was, which the kind of kid I was, man, in church, I asked endless questions. I mean, mm-hmm. endless questions about everything that I was taught, that was spoken to me, that was taught to me. And so I would inspire my kid to be that way. Um, but it would be a concern because again, no matter how great a parent you are, when it comes to that, no matter how, how attentive you are, Things can kids can slip through the cracks, especially if they're dealing with adults who are they themselves they're they're, sell, they're zealots, and they're gonna want they're gonna want to convert. That would be a concern of mine. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, because every everything that they teach is is right in their eyes. Everything, mm-hmm. um, anything to the contrary is pretty much wrong. So if they <clears throat> get a hold of the kid, you know spiritually um you telling a kid you need to research a little bit more we need to ask more questions you need to think about this a little harder you know from another perspective maybe a kid might think that's uh that's not the way you don't you don't question god you don't question um the word you don't question anything really that's frightening to me i remember um being told by church elders and by uh by church elders and to a degree by uh my mom and grandma maybe 
we were always taught to question things, but some things like, for instance, the existence, the, the, the mere existence of God, like that was the sort of thing that we were warned against uh, uh, questioning because God just was. And I know that mama and grandma, our elders, aunts and uncles and things like that, even some church elders um, were telling us that because like you said, they felt that it was the right, it was good for you. Like it didn't come from a place of extreme arrogance. It was or arrogance at all. It was good for you. They're teaching you what it is. They themselves have been taught and it's worked for them in whatever capacity. So, but yeah, to an extent, I was taught not to question certain things, but lo and behold, I questioned them anyway. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying my kid would have my level of um, curiosity and later on resentment for the institution, uh, for the church, but I would teach them to be question just to question the things that are being taught to you especially when it came to those things that you yourself can't see you can't touch them you can't feel them you can't taste them you can't you can't do any of that so it would always be a possibility the kid could be indoctrinated for sure um but i like to believe i would teach my kid to be inquisitive you know curiosity killed the cat but satisfaction brought him back and I think that's the way that I was viewing it when I was a kid, you know. Um, so I would hope that my parenting techniques and those of the kid's mother, mama, would be adequate and protect in terms of um, giving them protection from that potential being realized. But the truth is, there's always a chance. Now, I grew up, I know a few people like that right now who are radicalized and they still are now as adults early on. Um, and yeah, I, I can think of one person in particular, you can't tell him anything about whether God is real or not and about how God works. You mm-hmm. can't tell him shit about that. And it happened when he was early on, when he was very young, quite early on. And, um, that's the way it stayed. Most of the folks though, I will tell you that I grew up around, when we were kids that I went to church beside and family members. They are no, they grew out of that. So they have their own understanding of God, what God is, what God means, spirituality, what a relationship with God can mean, that sort of a thing. But uh, I, I would hope that that wouldn't happen. But again, the truth is, like, they could be convinced they could be convinced in a way that you, the parent, couldn't convince them. I mean, first off, they see you every day. They listen to you every day. And some of the things you say to them and teach them, they disagree with because that's what that's the job of a kid. That's what kids do. Right. Until they grow. And even adults still do that. But kids in particular. Um they're not seeing this person every day. They're seeing this person in sort of an official capacity, really. You know, they're dressed in a certain way. They talk in a certain way. They smell a certain way. They have certain affiliations. So, yeah, there is always a chance that that kid is going to be turned away from you. But I would hope that parenting techniques that uh, would be employed in that situation. I would want the positive to be, I would want it to be all positive, but of course it, it could never be because church is not, Really, when you come down to it, it's not a building or even an institution. Church is people, and you have people of all sorts who run these run these places. They make up the body of the thing. So, I would hope that my parenting uh, techniques would prevent that from happening. Tell me, why do you think that there would be a way that you could avoid that indoctrin uh, indoctrination or uh, zealotry being? Uh, pretty much installed into your children. Let's say you did decide to let them go to church for the sake of discussion, right? How do you feel, or if they were just 100% adamant about doing it, how do you feel that you could prevent that happening with them outside of just saying you cannot go? 
Um, and uh, in an attempt to pre- prevent that, I would do um, some of what you just, what you mentioned. You know, have a discussion with the kid. Um, ask questions and see where um, his or her head is at. Um, because when, when it comes to um, religion, Christianity anyway, um, I don't, when you ask questions, it just leads to more questions. And um, so just to, just to see what, it, what a kid's head is, man. Um, keep an open mind. Uh, hopefully, you know, that, that'll help the kid um, keep an open mind or create an open mind uh, by asking questions. But yeah, so that's, that, that's how I would try to prevent that shit from happening. In terms of God, mm-hmm. do you believe? Do you think there is a God? You believe in God in any in any capacity whatsoever? Um. Yeah, I think there is something. Um. But not definitely not what they <clears throat> um describe in um Christianity, like. I don't think there's like a uh, a man with a beard and a robe sitting on high, looking down and um, deciding on what's happening in our everyday lives. Um, I think there's something. Um, definitely, I don't. Definitely, I'm not a um, he or she. Um, but I think there's something. I'm more agnostic like I, i'm like well do we really know but i lean more towards that there's there's something and we just don't know what i believe i'm the exact i'm the, i think in that exact way man i am of the belief that there is something that we don't know anything about i don't think it has a sex or a gender i think it is i think it's beyond our our uh sort of beyond the average, beyond anybody's purview, really. Nobody really knows until they die, you know. Um, If there is knowing to be wisdom and knowledge to be had after death, at the death. But I don't, um, I think that's, it's beyond anything that we can uh, come up with, we can imagine. I think it's probably either the most beautiful thing ever, or it's the most terrible thing ever. But I don't know what that is. And it really does depend on your own personal perspective in terms of what uh, beauty or ugliness, what those things are, what happiness and love are versus uh, fear and ignorance, that sort of a thing. I wrote a story. I know you remember this because you did the uh, <laughs> you did the the uh, illustration for it. Uh, shit, 13, 14 years ago, called uh, God's Dick, and of course you already know about this, but this is for the listener. Uh, but the story was basically, okay, people refer, and I wrote it from the perspective of a little short story from the perspective of individuals. I thought to myself, well, okay, let me look at it from that perspective. God is always referred to as a he. So if God is a he, let me, I'm going to explore what God being a he means. Uh, so we're taught that there's only one God, or rather we were taught growing up in, in Christianity and many other religions and spiritual 
schools of thought that there's only one God and uh, it is a, uh, there's only one God. Okay. Uh, but the way that I wrote the story from the perspective was, okay, if God is a man, we're taught that there's only one God. This is monotheism versus polytheism. Polytheism is not a reality as far as what we were taught, right? So the thing is, if God is referred to as a man, if God is indeed a man, or at least is the shape is the male form, well, God has a dick. Now, if you have a dick or a penis, it's got a couple of different uses. One of them is to avoid waste, urine, remove waste from the body, waste from the body. And the other is to procreate, to have sex, uh, fuck, have sex, whatever you want to call it. It releases semen into the womb or into the world depending on what your what your your bag is <laughs> you know but if god has a dick then that means if god is referred to as a man or as a being who exists in the male form then that means that monotheism cannot be so they can't only be one god because form indicates function and if god has a dick, then who is God using that dick on? <laughs> God couldn't very well use that penis, uh, that dick, to procreate with or to uh, have sexual relations or congress with human beings. God would have to fuck beings or have sex with beings that were on his level, hmm. which means there would have to be more than one God. That's the perspective that I wrote it from, uh, which means polytheism is much more likely than monotheism. So when it comes to Christianity, I'm going to speak of Christianity because that's how I grew up. That's how we grew up. It is an oxymoronic sort of uh, statement to say that God is good. He is good. but And God is also the only God because God has a dick. And if God has a dick, then God is using that dick for something. And it's probably not just peeing. I thought that that was an interesting perspective to view it from. I really did, uh, brother, place myself in a position of a person who could view God in that way as a man. Even when I was a boy, it didn't make sense to me when I was a kid. Well, why would God be a man? What about women? You know, what about girls at the time? I'm thinking, what about girls? If God is a man or a boy, the way that I was thinking about it, then God can't fully relate to women. But God also is the God of these women. So, you know, that's where that story came from. So. That's just a around the block way of saying I believe there's something like you. I don't believe that it has a sex or a gender. I think it's something that is beyond our ability to uh, conceive of. And it's certainly beyond uh, the human purview because none of us have met God in person. And those who have, <laughs> and I'm not talking about the folks who left and came back. They took a short <laughs> jump and came. I'm talking about individuals who who've died, who have died and they have not come back. If there's any wisdom and knowledge we had on this score, I think they have that knowledge and wisdom. We don't. Now, I don't, I'm not saying that if there is a God, God can't touch human beings in certain ways. I don't know. But I'm not going to trust the word of a person who has been and came back, not completely. I'm going to question it, is what I'm saying. When I think of God, I think about the wind outside and the sea, the oceans and seas and lakes. I think about trees. I think about the human brain. I think about animals. I think about you know, I think about just existence. I think about your planets and stars and quasars and black holes and 
You know what I'm saying? I, those are mm-hmm. the things that I think about. I think God is all of this, whatever mm-hmm. this is. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that I believe that God is sentient. I wouldn't say that I don't believe it. I don't. So I don't know. Like he was saying, mm-hmm. I don't fucking know. But I hope that at least one aspect of the God that I was taught that I was taught existed as a child and that I hear about existing now as an adult. I hope one aspect survives, even if no other does, and that's that God is love. I hope that that is real. Mm-hmm. I hope that is, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I hope that's so. But in terms of like being a, I'm a jealous God, and you know what I'm saying? Sending people to hell or allowing <laughs> people to send themselves to hell, according to what you heard some people say now for eternity. Listen, eternity is forever. It is always and always will be. And even though I do believe that people, uh, the most terrible amongst humankind, those who have been among humankind, who've been horrible, evil, I do think they deserve punishment. But forever is for fucking ever. Mm -hmm. I don't know that any human could ever be that terrible. And we live in a world that once upon a time played host to Adolf Hitler, Idi Amin, Donald Trump, Jeffrey Dahmer, all these motherfuckers. So when I think of heaven uh, and hell, I like to believe that it's sort of a um, a re-education center, as, as childish as that might sound. You, if you've been an evil, horrible, disgusting human being, then every horror you visited upon others is then in turn visited upon you. And then you are uh, re-educated through empathy and through experience. And then maybe you get to move on to a, to a higher plane. You know, maybe it's a purgatory-ish sort of place or maybe it's something completely different. But I believe that there is, for lack of a better term, there is God. I think it exists. I think it's all around us. It's us. It's people we love. It's people we we can't stand. It's, it's what you eat, what you shit. It's how you think. It's your life, your experiences. I think that's what God is. And if there's any sentience to it, if any aspect of what we were taught survives or actually is, I hope it's that God is love. That makes sense to you. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I don't want this to be it. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, shit. You know, so that's how. I, <laughs> that's that. <laughs> that right there is a hell of thought. This right here just being it. Mm-hmm. You live and you gain wisdom and knowledge and experience. You gain love and you are loved and you love and you gain joys and lessons and you experience the bad and you climb out of the bad into the good or maybe somewhere in between and then you die. And, and that's it. That's a that's a that's a frightening thought to me. Uh, but then again, you know, nothing is nothing, and, and like you will recognize that it's nothing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> when you are folded into it, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's how I feel about that. But you know, it's 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 an infinite question, isn't it? Is there God? Where does God come from? What does God want for me? What does God want me to want for myself? Does God even know that we're fucking here? <laughs> we have uh, uh, Mike uh, that live upon, I was, I've forgotten what they're called, but this is a microscopic form of life. And they live, um, a lot of people walk around with, with, with them in their, uh, they live at the base of the eyelash and they eat dead skin cells. They eat dead skin. Um, and we don't we don't think about them every time we blink because they're so infinitesimal that we don't we don't think about it. They don't affect us, impact us in any way that that we think about ever. You mm-hmm. know, uh, 
the legion of bacteria you have on your skin, the legion of viruses your body fights off every day, you know, and the only viruses and bacteria and things of that nature, we don't think about those things because they are so far beyond us, or rather we're so far beyond them, at least until they make us sick or they begin to kill us, that uh, we don't, it's sort of a moot, a moot uh, perspective or point to even consider because we don't know that they're there. So maybe God is like that. I, I hope not. <laughs> there is a God, but you know, we'll, you know, God is a rock and a stone in the sky. That's, that's how I feel. And until until I know better, uh, that's what I think the God is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I do pray sometimes. I, I pray a lot more than what I used to. I prayed for a very long time when I was a kid. Grew up to become an uh, became an adult. Stopped praying, and I don't pray every day now. But when situations are really, really bad, I pray. Like the people that I love are going through horrible things. Or or I see people on television and in videos who are starving, they're diseased, they're mentally, you know, unstable. I pray for them. I pray for animals and I pray for myself sometimes. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know that it works, but hell, it, it can't hurt shit. Hmm. Can't hurt. You ever pray? Not anymore. I stopped. Um, shit. Maybe, maybe six years ago, five, six years ago. You ever feel compelled to pray? Nah, not, not anymore. So when it comes to times that are shitty or that are terrible for instance terrible for instance what do you take your comfort from like do you reach out to anything or to anyone or to an mm-hmm. idea or a perspective yeah all of it you know it, it depends on the situation um mm-hmm. yeah all of all of what you just named um yeah but i don't pray shit man <laughs> maybe if uh um a stranger walked up to me and put a gun in my head or something, you know, I might start, maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know how would how I would respond in that situation. You know, um, is what I'm saying is like, I, I ain't saying that I'm big and bad and, you know, not saying that I, it's, it's not a, it's a possibility that, you know, I could, um, um, start praying out of uh, I don't know out of a feeling but nah I, if you ask me I'm like nah I wouldn't but it's a possibility I think that's an interesting question really um, <laughs> for anybody <laughs> if you find yourself with a, a under in dire straits and I mean mm-hmm. immediate immediate dire straits somebody has a gun to your head or a knife to your loved one's belly or neck or you are dealing with a disease and it has become uh terminal or you get bad news about whatever right Mm -hmm. terrible things uh would you feel compelled to pray and i believe that the average person probably would if that is how they were raised like if they grew up in that sort of environment having been taught those sorts of things. I think that it's very easy to revert. And I think sometimes, um, even if you're not technically reverting back to what you were when you were a child or during your uh, formative years, 
I think you're grasping at fucking straws, man. Somebody's in, in situations like that. Anything mm-hmm. that they help, your ass might do it. Oh, God, <laughs> please. Don't let it happen to me. Don't let it happen to my friends. Don't let it happen to my family. You know what I'm saying? Let me mm-hmm. be this. Let me be that. Let me do But I think that is... If you're in a lake, you and I are swimming in a lake, and you can swim, but I can't, or I thought you could. Let's say you and I are in a lake, and we're we're sailing a lake, and a tidal wave crests and it knocks the boat, capsizes the fucking boat. Mm-hmm. Neither one of us can swim, and we're both aware of the fact that neither one of us can swim. Mm-hmm. But if you manage to stay afloat, and we're in decent proximity. Somehow you manage to stay, you manage to stay afloat, and I am able to get my motherfucking hands on you. <laughs> the natural response is to be to grab it. The first thing I can is going to keep me afloat, and that's going to be you. Mm-hmm. Even though I know you you can't swim, I'm not going to be thinking about whether you can swim or not. God damn it, I don't want to drown. I don't want to <laughs> drown you either, right? Mm-hmm. But there you are. So that's how I've used certain that sort of prayer. Like you're going to be grasping whatever straw you can get your motherfucking mitts around, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it might work for you. You know, in whatever capacity, May a pr- maybe prayer will give you strength or inspire strength in you you didn't know you had. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how common that is, but I know that it does happen. And I'm not saying it comes from a supernatural source. I'm saying sometimes it might come from. I'm saying a lot of times I believe it comes from within you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do pray like at times now like I, I you know you and i've had down 30 years man we've had this conversation hundreds probably thousands of fucking times and one where several different ways and i find it interesting that i've come back around to this even if it's only very occasionally and i, I here's the thing i never think it's gonna work mark i never <laughs> ever think it's gonna work but because mm-hmm. i don't have any other way like that's that's i'm grasping at straws that's the option that i had mm-hmm so even if it seems like an option that's going to be empty, goddamn it, almost, almost, almost like a, it's almost a placebo effect sort of situation. It might fucking work for whatever reason that <laughs> reasons beyond my understanding or my fucking kin, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but if I'm drowning, you and I are in the lake, and I know you you can't fucking swim. You better expect my hand to get on that ankle. You better expect <laughs> for me to be raking furrows with my fucking claws into your back. <laughs> trying to keep myself up, not because I want to drown you, but because you're the only option I have. Mm-hmm. And if I got to rely on myself to kick to the surface, it's over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I can't fucking swim, right? Mm-hmm. Now, of course, we can both swim, but that's for listeners who, we are both black men, and contrary to popular popular belief, <laughs> some stereotypes, I should say, loads of black people can swim. We can swim. That's just an analogy that I've used. Mm-hmm. Or, for instance, that I've used. So that's the way that I use it. I, I, I view it rather when it comes to prayer. It, I never think it's going to work, but what what's going to hurt? Yeah. And then I should say that. So here's the thing: is me being forthcoming and 100 transparent. When it does seem to work, I say I say, thanks God, thanks God for that. Like I I appreciate. <laughs> it. I say it, just like I'm talking to you now, face to face. Um, thank you God for that. I appreciate. Mm-hmm. It. Mm-hmm. So if there is a God, hopefully I'm building up a good little, a good little, uh, good old, good little bank balance, mm-hmm. <laughs> good, little, good little fucking balance, you know, where mm-hmm. you did believe sometimes, or you did acknowledge me sometimes. A lot of that is to do with reverting or is to do with desperation and fear and horror and um, uncertainty. Mm-hmm. What do you think of those people uh, who 
would tell you they got it all sold up. Not sold, all sold up. And you are a fool for not listening to them and for not following their lead and for not doing as they've instructed you to do. What do you, what is your thought? What are your thoughts on individuals like that? You can't tell a motherfucker, you can't tell a goddamn fucking thing about that. <laughs> what do you, what, what do you think about that? As it's, um, it's funny. It's funny sometimes, you know, I don't, I really, I don't know. It's just funny sometimes. It's to each his own, I guess, you know, and, um, if it works for them, that's cool. Um, yeah. That's what they, that's what they aren't hounding you. Mm-hmm. And persecuting you and, and, and putting you down, insulting mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Now, and you could just let them go on about their way. I mean, by all means, if it works for you, God bless you. You know, mm-hmm. if, if it works for you, good, it's good for you. I'm mm-hmm. I'm genuinely happy for you that it works for you, right? Mm-hmm. You're saying that's not what works for me. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying too. That's not what works for me and, and the ways that I would like it too. But now, and you just let them go on their way. They do what they want to do when you go on your way. But now, what if they're uh being uh, vindictive, or they are ostracizing you, or persecuting you for your lack <laughs> of belief in terms of how they feel. How would you approach that? What are your thoughts on that? Th- those are the situations that that are sometimes funny to me, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's, it's um, according to the way that they say that people should live. It's hypocritical, and I'm like, you know, I don't know. It's funny to me. It's really gung gung ho about that kind of stuff man um i don't know it's it's just funny because they think they have it all figured out or they think they have you all figured out but um yeah those situations i just try to let them go on about their business too just just try to keep it short and sweet <clears throat> don't keep hounding me about it yeah, that's about it uh i'm of the belief that in the end you don't know any more than i do mm-hmm. when it comes to god you don't know anything more than i do you have never met god face to face um if you've met god in your dreams or in your heart and that's all well and good and that's brilliant and that's beautiful but you in the end don't know any more than i do it's in the bible at least the, the holy the version of the holy bible that i've read bits and pieces of which is god works his wonders his wonders right in mysterious ways these ways are probably no less mysterious to you than they are to me (laughs) but you pretend they are you're a little bit more to know about it or a lot more to know about it because you have a connection with god that i don't have um i think that's egotism i think that's egoism egotism excuse me you being an ego ego egotist excuse me um but you, my, the way I feel about it, you don't know any more about it than I do. The only things you are, uh, you do know about more than I do, I would say, is how you have decided to utilize what you've been taught or how to move from the perspective that you occupy. So if prayer, for instance, works for you, then, and, and, you, and, you, and it, it feels that it, it, you feel like it, you feel as if it works in your life and you can see the proof in your life, then it's all well and good. But that is only applicable to your life. It is, it cannot be applicable to my life. 
because if if, if I if I did the same thing you did, uh, yeah, I guess there is a chance things could turn out to be the same way. I mean, there is the law of odds that things could turn out great and whatever you know, or beneficial to me and everybody else involved. But I think it's more likely in most situations. I know it's more likely in most situations that will work for you won't work for me. So what you do know is prayer, uh, you know, meditation, church, Sunday school. Uh, what is that people give at church? Giving your, um, you know, when you give your offerings. Tides, yeah, tides. Uh, if, if all of those things work for you, then that's great for you. But that is, that's the limit of your knowledge in terms mm-hmm. of what God is and how spirituality and a relationship with God works. If there is a God, I don't have the same relationship with God that you have. So your methods and outlook, odds are very good they wouldn't work for me. So that is the one thing you do know, how it impacts your life and how it works. Uh, I have been aggressively uh, questioned, um, insulted, and there were attempts, there have been attempts throughout the course of my life to indoctrinate me in terms of spirituality, Christianity. like you, if if it's in passing, if you're someone that I love, someone I love and respect, and you love and respect me, and you want the best for me, you know, it's a reciprocal thing, then I'm going to listen to you. And I'm going to try to get, I'm going to try to understand what it is you're saying, because it evidently is working for you. And even though it might not work the same way for me, maybe I can glean a little something from that. Maybe I can take a little wisdom from that and employ that wisdom and knowledge in my own life. And, it, and, and there may be some aspects of it that, that can work for me in certain ways. Maybe not the same way that it worked for you, but it might work that way for me. But now, if you, but the people that I love, the people I love and respect, and I know they love and respect me, um, I'm willing to listen. I honestly am, man. And, and there have been times in my life when I've been so desperate to have things be better or to feel better or to, to, to have things be better for everybody, not just me and mine, but everybody, right? Mm-hmm. That I will try mm-hmm. to extract, extract from what they've told me, even if it doesn't seem to make sense to me, I will try to ex- extract those bits that, all diverge and making sense to me or that some of which might have might have done you know that's where my tolerance begins and ends if you're a person on the other hand who feels that you got it you got you got it all sold up hmm. and you are being you were pursuance of making me feel bad or question myself or question what my what my place in eternity is and what's going to happen to me after i die then I get ups- I get pissed off about that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's when I get angry about it. Now, there was a time when I would argue the point. I would argue these points before, but I'm I don't do that anymore, man. I just say what you want to say. Number one, those people aren't aren't around me like that anymore. But they were when I was younger, yo. Let me tell you. <laughs> and I, I I was given to saying some pretty harsh things. Mm-hmm. You know, these days I don't have the energy for that. Um, so that's how I feel about that. Like I. Uh, I can't remember the last time someone aggressively told me I was going to hell mm. or that I'm I'm on the wrong path. I I can't recall. It, it hasn't been any time in, in, in recent memory, but certainly I've dealt with it in the past. So nobody knows any nobody knows anything, man. You know what's good for you. That's what you know. Beyond this, the fate that we all share, beyond the realm of life, nobody knows 
anything about it as far as I am concerned. People who say that they've had supernatural experiences, I don't, listen, some people are lying. They're doing it for attention, but I don't doubt that people have had experiences. I don't know what they are, right? But you didn't go and stay. So in the end, you don't know any more than I do. You just took a, a short tri uh, trip, a little, ho a little holiday, you know? So that's my perspective on that, man. Um, do you remember, tell our listeners what, uh, uh, so for God's dick, Tell our listeners what, uh, so I went to my brother, this guy here, God, this God here, and asked him to do an illustration for it. And we talked about it for a while. He came up with the most hilarious thing. He did a sketch, and it headed this guy's dick. Tell our listeners what it is. Uh, tell, tell these people <laughs> what that sketch was. Well, it was um, <clears throat> uh, a, a white man with a, uh, beard and uh and shoulder length hair um <laughs> resembling a close resemblance to george carlin <laughs> that that was um a request to make him resemble george carlin wow. um, but he had a beard and um shoulder length hair and a, a white robe and that's it oh and some sandals and a thin white robe, so thin that you can see <laughs> you can see his um, uh, penis um, sticking out, and it was sticking out because it was erect, a full on. Um, and he had uh, he was just standing there, looking 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 at the, if if there was a camera. Looking at the camera, um, when his shoulder shrugged, palms, <laughs> palms in the air, shoulder shrugged, and his um dick pointed pointed out and upward, like like I don't know, like <laughs> you know, like that. Oh, <laughs> and that was God. God. That was that was God. Oh Jesus Christ, you're out of your mind, man. We are out of our collective mind here. <laughs> uh, I remember we discussed that. For a while, we laughed. We laughed so hard about that man. It was so funny. The response, and it was the, it was, it was apt. It was exactly mm -hmm. what ought to have headed that story. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the reaction we got? Mm -hmm. What was the reaction we got? <laughs> yeah, a um, couple people were angry, um, and I guess they were afraid. Um, I don't know if they were afraid for us, but I know they were, they were afraid to, I guess, like, just be, to, to have the knowledge that some, uh, drawing like that existed or that, you know, they didn't want to be around it. They just, I guess they felt like the energy from the paper was going to creep inside of them and pull them down to, to hell or whatever. I don't know. Well, we're here to our level. Yeah. Because in order to be offended by something like that, you have to feel that you're you're beyond us. You're above us. Mm -hmm. I had uh, a person stop speaking to me <laughs> on account of that the story and the illustration. And I had probably three or four other people who were downright disgusted with what we'd done. They were disgusting so one person was furious enough to stop talking to me for some months 
And then maybe there were three, maybe two or three other people who were so disgusted they just couldn't believe that <laughs> they couldn't mm. believe that we had written and, and illustrated this this thing. Mm-hmm. I believe that there are people in the world who might genuinely who genuinely fear things like that, mostly because of how they were taught and maybe in, indoctrinated to a degree. Um, but I believe that the majority of individuals who were upset at us or disgusted with us or irritated by us felt that way felt those ways because they felt that they knew something we didn't. Hmm. They felt that they were elevated and mm-hmm. we were just base. We were base fucking creatures immersed in pure black ass blasphemy, hmm. <laughs> you know? Hmm. Um, but I remember the reaction to that. Some of the reactions were, some people were pretty, pretty upset about that. Um, but the I will say that the majority of responses on my end that I got were absolute hilarity. People mm-hmm. thought it was hilarious, and they thought that the, the picture and the story, the illustration and the story, were really was really they were rather thoughtful. Mm-hmm. You know, people who were willing to think beyond what they were taught. It did, that doesn't mm-hmm. mean we were right. It means that we were thinking shit. <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, when I see images like that, normally they will make me laugh. Sometimes they'll make me think. Uh, I'm happy to say that that made a lot of people laugh and it made a lot of people think and only a tiny handful of people were upset about it. And get this, some of the, I can name two of those people right now, which, who I won't name, who now find it, who were upset about it in the past, who now find it hilarious. So they, I won't say, I'm not going to say that they're just now catching up because that makes me sound like an asshole, like a vain motherfucker, you know, like we knew better, like somehow we're elevated. I Mm. will say that they are coming around, they've come around in the years since uh, to understanding why we did what we did. And we didn't do it to be provocative. Hmm. We did it because we were thinking and that's what you and I do. We we talk and we have discussions about anything and everything. And there are ideas that come out of those discussions, some of Mm. which are uh, fucking hilarious, man. Mm. And thought provoking but not for the sake of being provocative because there is a motherfucking difference. Some people don't believe there is, but we know there is. So um, we might need to get back on that. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. Say, I say, yeah. yeah. Hey, yeah. People, people need it, man. People need to be inspired to thought beyond where they are anyway. And that mm-hmm. includes us. We are mm-hmm. inspired beyond our comfort levels all the time, aren't we, Mark? Mm-hmm. And you and I aren't afraid to give those thoughts a fair amount of scrutiny. For instance, we don't talk about God a lot. You and I, well, we talk about God, but not in any way that is hyper spiritual, but we've spoken about it today. And we've spoken about it many hundreds of times in the past, but it's not a a common thing with us. Mm -hmm. We are willing to understand that we don't have all the knowledge there is. We don't have it all sewed up. (laughs) <laughs> and there are things beyond our understanding. So we're willing to question these things and and to know better if it's possible to know better. Mm-hmm. Boy, that was, look, I remember, I don't think, I, I, in fact, I know we didn't think much about putting that online. <laughs> we put that shit up, uh, the story and the sketch, and I remember us laughing, just laughing fit to fucking split, man. We weren't trying to offend anyone with it. <laughs> <laughs> Some people were offended because this is how we felt at that time. So it's the stereotypical image of God 
and some tight ass, snagging ass roads with a hard on from here to Tuesday. <laughs> and a beard looking like George Carlin with his palms turned up and his shoulder shrugged like, I don't know, motherfucker, what you coming to me for? I got a dick, so, you know, <laughs> am I really the only God? <laughs> or does this dick solve a purpose? <laughs> you know? So, and we're still learning. As long as you live, you learn. And, mm-hmm. and Mark, brother, we must hope that when we do die, <laughs> 50 years from now, five minutes from now, whenever it is that we don't meet God, and God says, oh, I remember that story. <laughs> y'all, y'all, y'all put that, y'all put together, and I remember that sketch. <laughs> you, got, you, got some, you got some splaining to do. <laughs> you got some splaining to do. Or worse yet, no, you can go ahead on and bypass the gates of heaven. You can go on to those other gates. There's a pit right beyond the gates. Get your ass up in there. You know, you ain't coming in here. Not in here. You ain't coming in here. <laughs> so we, we can hope, we can hope that it doesn't happen, but I don't think it's going to happen. If there is a God and God has any sort of sentience or, 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 or consciousness, God probably would th- think something like that's fucking funny. I mean, people do things uh, in church that are, we were accused of blasphemy, I remember. Blaspheming God. And some of the motherfuckers who were so deeply involved in church were far, far, far deeper in the blasphemy pit than you and I ever have been or ever <laughs> mm-hmm. will be. That's mm-hmm. that hypocrisy that you were speaking about earlier. Yeah. Fucking the past and shit. <laughs> Stealing from the church collection plate, spending the tithes, mm. you know, judging people. We wrote a story and drew a picture. Mm-hmm. But we were awful. <laughs> and we were hell bound. Let me tell you, we were hell bound, brother. They were they were afraid that we were we would build a following. They were afraid that we would do what? Build a following. They were afraid we would do what? <laughs> build a following. They were afraid we would build back better. Oh shit. <laughs> All those things that they were taught, they were afraid that we were uh, having to go at kicking their foundation from beneath them and building up, building it back better, building it from a place of curiosity mm-hmm. and inquisitiveness and honesty mm-hmm. and love and the ability to say, I don't fucking know. Mm-hmm. They were afraid we were going to build back better, <laughs> which, by the way, not so much. Mm-mm. Yeah, not so much in terms of like literally the person who came up with it or the person <laughs> who spouts it, you know. And this, I think that might be a completely different fucking podcast yeah. uh, by way of the main, the main <laughs> motherfucking satellite. But rest assured, dear listeners, my brother and I, we gonna get to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we we gonna get to that. Yeah, I guess we can. Call this one a an episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what should we call it? What should we call it? Oh, I have the perfect name for it, but I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. What do you think it is? God's dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you have a suggestion? <laughs> nah. Ooh, boy, 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 boy. We can call it God's dick. <laughs> or if in the naming, once this is posted, 
uh, uh, if you think of a better name, then by all means, I'm I'm behind you 100%. I like God's dick because why the fuck not? Mm-hmm. Is what we've been talking about the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> and I won't expect, and I know you don't expect, that this is going to go off without a hitch. Even if we never hear the responses. Right. We never see them. <laughs> There'll be people who see that title and they won't want to fuck this. Them motherfuckers are a couple of blasphemers. They go into hell and gasoline draws. Mm-hmm. I am running away from this like my ass was on fire and my hair was catching. <laughs> I'm going in the other direction, going in the other direction, you know. Uh, but I think that's a I think that'd be a good title, unless you, my brother, could think of one that is more suited. This mm-hmm. is more suited too, yeah. Any other words? Any words of encouragement, brother? <laughs> any words of of spiritual grace for listeners? <laughs> any advice you would like to give to our listeners when it comes to the topic of today's discussion? Which, by the way, um, you and I didn't have this topic figured out. We didn't have any topics figured out. We were winging it, mm-hmm. and this is the topic we landed on. Any, what, what would you say? If, 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 what would you say? Any, any words of encouragement, advice, spirituality, any of those things? Nah, because motherfuckers already—they got it all figured out already. If I would have given any advice. So I'd say, listen to the, the best part of who you are mm-hmm. beyond what you've been, beyond what you've been taught, beyond what any, you've gotten out of any book, beyond these preachers and pastors and priests proselytizing. Um, listen to the best part of who you know you are, because if there is a God, that's what God is. Mm-hmm. That is to say the God in us beyond, uh, um, I, guess, I guess you could say the inner, the best version of who you are on the inside is God. So listen to that because it's probably God talking to you. If there is a God, that would be my advice. And, and by all means, if you want to pray, pray. Mm-hmm. Remember that song, uh, remember that song, uh, uh, MC Hammer did <laughs> back when he was, that's why we pray, pray, we pray, pray. What do you say? You got to pray just to make it the day. Something like that. Something like that. If you need to pray, then, then pray. If you need to meditate or fast, then do that. Just be good to one another. That's that's my advice. Listen to the best part of yourself and be good to one another. If you're a psychopath or sociopath, ain't shit I can do for you. <laughs> that's my word on that. Next time on the main satellite. Yeah, yeah. All right, fellas. All right, good night, bro. Take it easy, bro. All right. All right.